Hey Zookeepers, it's Brandon, one of the Kaiju Hollywood bad voices say we are talking the big one today. That's right, we're going into Godzilla Minus One. We got on Nick Crispino of Kaiju Junkie to get into it, and it's it's a fun one. I'm going to keep it short just so we can get to this one. Pretty packed with a lot of discussion. As always, if you like the podcast, you can email us at podzookypodcast at gmail.com. That's P-O-D-Z-O-O-K-Y, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, anything you send us, we'll read on air. You can, you can completely get on something. Trust me, we're going to do it. And as always, if you uh, listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, if it's a platform that has a rating system, give us a rating. It will help us a ton. Or tell a friend. Either way, let's get into it. Bye. Render unto Ghidra what is Ghidra's. Ten to one, he sees you through a beaker and a tweezers. Read the fine print and be like, what's the big deal? Spun wheels of steel since broke wheel, big wheel. Back when it was greasy as curl, now it's easy dread. Had a rhyme on how to use some teasing about his peasy head. Yes, yes, y'all to the beat. Hey everybody! Uh, welcome. That's that's such a bad start. That's so, such great energy. Okay. Hey, it's your it's your favorite uncle Brandon. I feel like this is like an uncle that sees like a kid like he hasn't been in contact with the family for like ten years. Like he's still he's still like video games. It's 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 me, your cool uncle Brandon, one of the kaiju Hollywood bad boys. Uh, me, Luke Evans Flip, another one of your kaiju Hollywood bad boys. Hey, it's me, your third Hollywood kaiju bad boy, Martin Felschman. Brandon, why don't you introduce our very special guest? Uh, I'm really excited. We, uh, I, I talked about it a little bit on the podcast a few months back, but I got to do G-Fest for the first time this year, which is a really great convention out in the Chicagoland area they do in July. The next one's coming up in the same time for 2024. Uh, I did a Godzilla panel with this gentleman who helped put it together and moderate it. It was really fun. But he also runs the Kaiju Junkie on Instagram and many other social media places, which is just a really fun social media account for Godzilla and Kaiju-related things. It's Nick Crispino. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited. Sorry, this is what happens when you record on a Monday. I feel like just really with energy. <laughs> well, I got this for energy like... too, so I totally get it. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's something. I feel like I'm using an excuse to work from home tomorrow because of the winter storm. So. Well, it's, it's going to be a hard one to get in, so I'm going to go ahead and start out. This is Podzuki, mm. and we are covering right. <laughs> Godzilla Minus One. Yeah, we're, that's right. Doing a professional hosting job, I forgot yeah. how to do. Um, yeah, I feel I, I wanted to reach out to you for this since you're a real, I'd say, kaiju expert and appreciator of Godzilla films. Because we've done all the releases when we've been doing this podcast. It's a major streamline. Stream- mainline Godzilla one. So like we did all the Godzilla versus Kong, then Godzilla King of the Monsters. We didn't do Godzilla twenty fourteen. Were we? no we weren't around twenty fourteen though. We weren't? No. Oh, it God. feels like it's been around that long, I feel like at this point. I I feel like I've never it started not like twenty sixteen, I think. Pazuki. Yeah, yeah but, it was twenty seventeen. But it started like uh so Nick, so you also host the Godzilla or Kaiju podcast? Yes, um, it's yeah. m- less a podcast, more, we like to call them town halls. I run the, those on the website kaijuunited.com with the the great Jacob Lingle. I got to give him a shout out. Um, yeah, we just nice. did Minus One a couple weeks ago, and we're going to do another one uh, for Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Pretty much these what they are is yeah. whenever there's a big, exciting happening in the uh, kaiju community, we host one. Yeah. That's that's a so like so. What's your like background with Godzilla and kaiju?s How'd you get into the fandom? And I have my grandmother to thank for that. I've been a fan since I was like fuck, oh, yeah. fuck like five that's years old. 
Yeah, I was like five years old. So she worked at a library and um, I had parents who worked a lot during the day, uh, during the week. And she would always bring my brother and I videos to watch from uh, the library, like VHSs, DVDs. This was around the time when, um, this was like 2001, so like DVDs were coming in and VHSs were going out the door. Um, and I was that kid who um, was just so into dinosaurs, I could pronounce all the complicated names. So she would bring me oh, Jurassic yeah. Park, Land Before Time, all that stuff. And one day she brought home a Godzilla movie. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but if I had to take a guess, I think it was Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. And nice. yeah, That's just the, the rest is history. I was like, more of this. I uh, I feel like this is a, a very funny backstory for me getting a Godzilla is... Um... My dad got me into it because he's a big sci-fi guy in general, and um, I'm old enough where his VHSs. And specifically, I watched Godzilla vs. Megalon over and over again because that's the first one he got me. And I remember it choice. because the, the original VHS cover is Godzilla and Megalon on top of the World Trade Centers. <laughs> <laughs> it was very easy to remember, I feel like, especially after a certain year in the early aughts. I don't know which one, but... I always remember coming up that Godzilla was like an IP that I was aware of and like knew about through like cultural osmosis and always wanted to be a fan of it, but it was kind of hard to find Godzilla movies to watch. Sci-fi channel used to play them a lot, yeah. but it was sometimes hard to like be around a TV mm-hmm. when they're airing. Like the first one I ever remember watching was whichever one has Jet Jaguar in it. Godzilla vs. Megalon. And yeah, we'll see. Like, yeah. But then thinking more like with Jet Jaguar, I was like, well, this is more like Speed Racer or whatever. I didn't mm-hmm. And then being really excited when the 98 Matthew Broderick <laughs> Roland Emmerich movie came out. Yeah. I was super excited for that movie. And then it ended up being disappointing. And then years later, these jerks asked me to be on their podcast. And <laughs> I've watched all the Godzilla movies through that, finally. Yeah. So it's been, <laughs> Except it's... the first one. I still haven't seen the first one. Yeah. Like they, they just peer pressured you into liking Godzilla, basically? <laughs> well, I, I'm usually the dissenting opinion, but yeah. I do appreciate <laughs> the tropes of Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, the fun thing I had with, like, getting it as a kid is, like I said, my first one I watched over and over again as a kid was Godzilla vs. Megalon. So I went into the Godzilla fandom, like, full camp. Like, as, as cheesy <laughs> and campy and as just, like, strung out as they could go other than maybe Godzilla vs. Smog Monster, Adore, however you want to pronounce it. Um, but, like, it's I, I like that my, my intro to was Jet Jaguar. So, like, as soon as that, like, uh, SH Figure Arts came out for the pre-order, I'm like, I got to get that bad boy. <laughs> I don't care if it costs 80 bucks, which sucks. <laughs> but, hey, what are you going to do? Um, my, uh, my background with Godzilla is very similar to Luke's. Like, a lot of seeing Godzilla through cultural osmosis, seeing it referenced in various TV shows. Although I do have a very fond, specific memory of watching the Hanna-Barbera cartoon on Cartoon Network. Yeah, that one. Mm. That's, that was my only introduction to Godzilla until Brandon showed me the very first film for our very first episode of Podzuki. Yeah. And I've been a fan ever since. And of all the spinoffs. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, yeah. Clifford the Big Red Dog. Like they're Clifford all the Big Red Dog is a kaiju. Solo. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm glad you agree. How was your, how was your episode on that? Uh, we, <laughs> you got to do it. <laughs> so we, we just started our podcast, so we were a little late to Clifford the Big Red Dog. But if they do a sequel, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know how that movie performed, so uh, I don't know if it's going to get a sequel. But if it does, you know, tune into the Kaiju United Town Hall for our very special episode on that. Fuck yeah. That's going to be awesome. I feel like you can do so many fun things with the just a, a Kaiju movie podcast or 
anything of that sort because we're very loose with it at this point to the point where it's how can we oh, bring so, it back so loose <laughs> it's yeah. so, it, extremely loose uh, but I also like there's a lot of different approaches like I really like um, I met them at G-Fest and I like their podcast a lot as the monster movie fun time go mm-hmm. they do it by the years so they're like on 98 and they're going through all the different like kaiju movies of that year and there's there's so many shitty Godzilla knockoff movies I didn't know about that morning because of it which is beautiful so yeah it's a good time um, but I, I think we should get to the, the meat and potato of this episode because, like... Well, yeah, I wanted to start it off that way because this was a movie that I hadn't really heard anything about. I went into it pretty blind going in. Like, I guess at first I heard the name <laughs> Godzilla Minus One, and I loved Shin Godzilla, but also, like, I knew that Hideki Anno was involved with that one, so I kind of assumed this was going to be a sequel to that because mm-hmm. of the weird Japanese naming convention thing. And, no, I was still... I was. I think everybody probably enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Yeah, I laughed a little bit when you said you went in blank, because I imagine you kept your eyes closed the whole time. Like, this movie sucks. <laughs> There's nothing. I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, it's really loud, though. I can't understand anyone. Yeah. This is, uh, I feel like getting into Forgot Zilla Minus One is directed by Takashi Yamazaki. Um, he's he's a director that I gotta watch more of his stuff, but the one I know him from is he did Lupin the Third, the first, which was that computer animated one from like. I want to say 2019. Uh, it's really fantastic. But uh, he also did uh, a live action of Battleship uh, Yamato, which I thought was pretty fun, oh. 2010. And then he has a really famous kind of like more drama piece film from the 2005s called Always uh, Sunset on Third Street that's uh, pretty well known. Um, he uses a lot of the same actors in his films. So the guy who played uh, the doc in this, or Doctor, uh, who is uh, Hidetaki Yoshioki. Uh, he's like in all of his films, basically, which it makes sense because that he was fantastic. I mean, not to give too much away before we get talking he's, to it. I, I don't mean to spoil too much of the conversation. Loved his performance, adored his hair. Oh, his, mm. that hair. his hair was great. Yeah, he looked great, and the the whole crew of the boat oh. was really awesome. Just like yeah, like a fun anime. It was fun. It was a fun movie. Yeah, and it, it, it makes sense because the director has a lot of experience in kind of like films like that, and I'm glad those tropes came through. But he made it like really elevated past that. But yeah, you're saying Nick. Oh, no, I was saying, like, I love the, everyone was making the comparison, oh, they're just like the crew from Jaws plus one, you know, but instead of oh, a shark, yeah. there's Godzilla. <laughs> I know you guys like sharks on this podcast. Yeah, it's, we, oh, man. yeah, we've, we've done a lot with the Meg and then also Santa Jaws, and I, I'm going to blame Logan Nielsen for slowly infecting us with more shark movies. Uh, We're the one who keeps making them come back. Yeah, yeah and then he keeps making <laughs> shark movies each time. Uh, I do I do like the comparison, though, because, like, I mean, we'll get into as we go through the plot, but, like, the one part where they're on the boat and they have the Godzilla chase, I think it might be, like, one of my favorite Godzilla chase scenes in an in a entire Godzilla franchise. Oh, good action set pieces. Like, you know, like, there's, you know what the action is, and you can, they execute it well yeah i think it was like one of the only first it was like one of the only chases in the godzilla franchise because like i can't think of godzilla's that oh i was yeah you beat me to it besides (laughs) 98 with like the helicopter chase but i don't think correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think there's been like a japanese godzilla where he's chasing humans intentionally like he was in this movie oh you know i was just about to say too like um the 2014 Godzilla, there's kind of a chase with like the whole train tracks in that scene. Once again, that's an American-made one, so it is kind of interesting. Mm. I feel like maybe that's just our mind for like Western cinemas. Like we gotta, we gotta have Jason. Like he's a big guy. He's gotta chase somebody. I love a chase. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing too with the film before starting the plot is that uh, Takashi Yamazaki also wrote it, which I thought was kind of unique. So he's director writing and he produced most of it too. VFX um, as well. 
effects, which I thought was crazy with, um, I wrote that down. He, he has a partner he does most of them with too, which I hope I put the notes somewhere too. I didn't. Um, cool. <laughs> but a lot of the, the actors he used in it too, like the main actor of, uh, Ryan Osuke, uh, Kamiki. I, I didn't realize this, this guy has been like in so many great roles over the years of like, uh, he's been in a ton of Ghibli films, uh, enough where I couldn't list them all, but like most of the modern ones past like, um, Spirit Away, he's had a role in, uh, but also he was uh, in Summer Wars too. Is the one of the main voices, which is a, an anime I really like a lot. Uh, the protagonist in Your Name, I believe too. So oh. he's he does a lot of voice acting. Um, I did also write that he was uh, in an episode of Common Writer Agito, which is one of my favorites oh, when he was a, a younger actor, and then also an episode of Abba Ranger, um, which is really fun. Which I think is a fun connection to do because the guy who played the young kid in this, which I thought was really funny, uh, Yuki Yamada, um, he also was uh, the Blue Ranger to Go Kaijers, which is one of the more bigger Super Sentai series. So there's a lot of fun like Tokusatsu connections. Um, but yeah, the whole I feel like the whole cast fucking crushed it for this one. So, oh, absolutely. Um, before we get into the plot too, it's I, I think one of the issues that we have is that you don't really care about the characters too much. This is the first one I'm like, I actually enjoyed my time with them, and like all, even though there's like a lot of tropes going on, they're all pretty, I feel like, well written. Yeah, a lot it's, of people are saying that, that why can't all Godzilla movies have characters like this? It just seems, like this movie makes uh, writing characters seem so easy. And if you really, I mean, yeah. that's what I thought. Like, the, the plot is, I mean, the human story is fairly simple. Um, a guy who's struggling with survivor's guilt, fighting his own internal demons. It's not that complicated of a storyline when it comes to the humans, if you really think about it. Yeah, it's definitely story first. Like, you've got this solid, almost high concept, final days of World War II, uh, or the end of World War II, mm -hmm. Japan is decimated, and then what if also then Godzilla attacked? Yeah. <laughs> and But it works because, like, Godzilla's, like... I, I keep saying we're like this is a good movie with Godzilla in it, or like Shin's Godzilla is like a good Godzilla movie. This mm. is a good movie with Godzilla in it because Godzilla works as like a metaphor. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for like, I, I mean, a lot of them are about like it being Japan's post-war trauma. As yeah, well, well we start out the very first scene is what's the main character's name? Oh, uh, the main character would be uh, Shikishima. Yeah, uh, what can I call him? Something shorter than that? Shake Shack. Shake Shack. He's a, a failed kamikaze pilot. He pretty he said there's a problem with his plane, so he has to come back to base. Which like, would they do that? Like, if you're a kamikaze pilot, would it matter if one of your part of your plane's malfunctioning? Well, yeah, if you can't That's what there, I like, thought. They want you to die for a reason. Yeah. They still want you to die, but they want you to die for a reason. Yeah. But you're, not like, like, you're not like against the ocean as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think they want you to die like crashing into the ships, not just like, oh, yeah. he fell into the ocean because his plane malfunctioned. Yeah, show King yeah. Neptune who's boss. You know, you're going <laughs> to spend a life or two. Yeah, um, I mean, if yeah. World War II, if, if Atlantis joined like the Allied powers, then that would have been an option. Well, yeah, if, they, if they'd flown into another harbor... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess now we're thinking more intelligently about this. Uh, but yeah, I was I thinking that they weren't they weren't aiming for the boats. Yeah. But I, I do like, like Aquaman, who's boss. Yeah, <laughs> there's two of them now. Fuck you, like, Arthur. Yeah. I I feel like that's a, that's a series that I I I don't want to go into. But when I saw that there's two Aquaman for this next one, I'm like I just kind of want to know what's going on with that other Aquaman now. But 
probably going to skip still. It'll be on Max. Well, the DCEU is um, over, so you got plenty of time. There's no like, oh, I got to watch Aquaman so I can understand the next movie. You got So you got plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just could not handle the cerebral plot of the first one. It was yeah, too intelligent yeah. for me. It's got to do fucking trigonometry to figure out what's going on with these He's fish. a man, but he lives underwater. But what? Yeah. I don't get it. Too highbrow for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a problem with this liberal Hollywood. <laughs> no, it's stop. Um, yeah, so getting into the plot, I do like that, once again, they really get into the characters, I think, with just a few like single lines and just really good acting, because I like that um, the character Tachibana, who is played by Manataki Oaki, uh, that's kind of fun to say aloud, uh, he's like the mechanic there, and I like that the first scene he lands, he's like, hey, you know, like I get it, with your plane not working, like a wink, like nudge there. I like that it like goes on for the scene where he joins him afterwards and says like you know I don't think it's worth throwing your life away either at this point, um, so it kind of sets up that like there's a mutual understanding and you're kind of like having them bond. Mm-hmm. But I like that it, it, you you get thrown into it right away. If Godzilla pops up that night after they talk about like hey you know you can refuel and head out the next. And day. They don't waste any time. There's never any mincing. I was like oh what it's a giant monster. What? That's ridiculous. They I do I do like that. any time with that with instead of like just doing like a, you know an explanation or setting up with like a bunch of just like. A, you know, like, what's going to happen. Literally, he shows up and, like, yeah, there's an item, like, there's a myth on this island that there's an old dinosaur that kills people. And, and, it's baby and he just shows yeah. right up. Like, there's no oh, build-up does. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I also, I, I, I said this on uh, our town hall. I feel like that opening scene was sort of told from the soldier's perspective because me, when I was watching the movie and Godzilla showed up, it really took me a minute to sort of get my bearings and realize, like, what was going on. Oh, absolutely. Like, every view of Godzilla you see is, like, from these low angles, from these people, like, hiding and trying to avoid him. It's Yeah, like, you can so barely threatening. see him in the dark. It's like, you're, you're trying to comprehend what you're seeing, and, and like, you realize, oh, shit, he's actually a bit smaller. Hey, we, hey, we get a premutation phase. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, A nice little touch I also like is that any person that, like, grabbed in its jaws, it didn't eat them. It was just, just it was targeting them, them to kill them. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it shows that it's smart. Like yeah. it does think. Oh, I thought that showed it was just petty. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, fuck you for being on my own. I guess you do have to be smart to be petty. Well, I mean, or the no, real answer is true. I think it's um, Toho. They don't want Godzilla actually killing people. Like, actually showing people. I've heard that for, people. like, the 98 uh, mm. Godzilla. That was one of their rules. That like, Godzilla you can have people, people die because of the destruction he's causing, but, like... If God- Godzilla can't eat people, I think that's the... If Godzilla <laughs> doesn't want to kill any one person. Yeah. I do like he that. Doesn't, he doesn't acknowledge people at all. I, think. I, I, I think like that Yamazaki got around this like, well, if he tosses them really far, who can say? Maybe they fell into like a big pile of hay or something. <laughs> I guess ultimately it is Godzilla's world. We're just living in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? You're Th- those giant away. teeth marks, just a flesh wound. He, he landed. He's, he'll be right as rain in the morning. Yeah, there. I like the scene after he does the destruction and all the dead soldiers there. It's just like they're all sleeping. They're tired. <laughs> they played with Godzilla too hard. They they don't um, want the sun to get in their eyes, so they went under the covers. Yeah, trying to sleep. <laughs> you gotta close them. Yeah. Uh, I do like that even with the small Godzilla permutation, like we're talking about. He's still like he does a really good job of making him like a frightening force right away. Because mm-hmm. I felt like that nervousness of like when uh, Shiki has to run to the plane of like I, I wouldn't want to do that either, man. Like. <laughs> Just, like, the good film work of, like, you can see the distance, and they're just, like, Godzilla moving towards that, and then, like, come on, go, the, the gun can kill it. And like it, it does set up that conflict really well, because we do see this smaller, like, less ferocious and less powerful Godzilla, and we're like, you know what, this, this gun could kill it, 
potentially we don't know yeah we never know for sure they never answer just any, a they never say anything like so. that gun wouldn't have done anything anyway yeah yeah because our, our boy gets in the plane and then he can't fire the gun because he gets too nervous uh tachibana is yelling him like fire already and then it just basically blacks out after that wakes up in the morning he's still alive tachibana is the only other one that survives too and then a uh, really great scene too like w- there's no words really exchanged after that other than him like saying about the disappointment when he's getting all the bodies together but I like that they show him on the ship going back to the main island with all the other soldiers that have failed their missions and he just comes by and throws down a bunch of pictures and it just says I'm leaving through and you can tell it's all the dead soldiers like pictures and mementos basically See, that was Tachibana that throwing was. down the I pictures I thought it was a pile of money yeah that was Tachibana hmm. I thought oh. it was money at first. Yeah. <laughs> you go, go buy yourself something nice to it. Yeah. Here, here's, your, here's your check, asshole. Thanks for serving. Yeah. Here, we got our Godzilla uh, military settlement money. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, here's your settlement, asshole. <laughs> you know what? And it's, you know, you can only expect like one or two checks from the government for a Godzilla attack. You know, you think they're going to help you out the whole... Oh, yeah. oh what yeah. if you're lucky? You're yeah. going to go to college on the Godzilla bill. <laughs> Yeah, a GZ bill. and then Japan's like, "Well, actually, we gave you all Godzilla bills, so the economy's kind of inflated. That's kind of your fault yeah. at this point." So, before we move on, I have a question: um, it, Is the premutation a Godzilla Saurus to you guys? Unless, because for me, until Toho says otherwise, that's a new Godzilla Saurus. I would say so because they say that it's a prehistoric dinosaur that still lives on the island. So they didn't say it like outright, but it's like, eh, I, I could, I could make that assumption. I'd say pretty easily. I have a feeling like when yeah, we go to I'd G Fest, people are going to be calling it like, "Oh, I got my Godzilla Saurus twenty three uh, figure." Yeah, it's it's going to be like the whole Gino all over again with the yeah. Godzilla name only. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm just going to call him G Unit. Just G- pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because he still was a pretty big boy. Even I mean, not fully Godzilla sized yet. He was about a story, maybe two stories. Yeah. At that point. Yeah, he was like, you know, he was like one of those old tiny school buildings. Yeah. Yeah. You could fit a few kids in there. In any, in any event, he grows a lot in the, was it five years? Yeah. From that point when we pick up the movie again? Yeah, so they basically, we start moving along the plot and the time at this point with the main character. He gets back home. His whole area where he's living in Tokyo was destroyed. Just Yeah, just rubble. Yeah. I, I thought that was such a great touch of like showing really the disaster. Because if you ever watch any documentaries of like post-war Japan, it, it was really that bad of like just, you know, Complete areas of Tokyo and the surrounding areas of Japan where bombs actually touched down just wiped out completely. Um, and I like that they show, like, uh, you know, he's trying to figure out if his parents are alive. He runs to his neighbors, like, my kids are dead, your parents are dead, who gives a shit? Which <laughs> I thought was, like, a great tone of, like, that's kind of like a... She's kind of given up at that point, but, like, to, if you survived all of that, too, it's just, like, you're sitting in a rubble, like... Well, she also gave him shit because oh, yeah. she knew he was a kamikaze pilot. Yeah. No, well, he... I also got like a real life history lesson from that because I didn't realize that um, Tokyo was actually bombed in World War II. With the exception of like Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I I thought that mainland Japan saw no um, military conflict. They got carpet bombed. It's a fun thing they. I can't believe it's a fun thing. That's an interesting (laughs) thing they do in the movie too because like they even bring up like kids. uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll go America number one. Um, uh, reincarnation of Eisenhower, right here. I know, yeah, uh, got, but no, it's nationalism's really it is, showing its face on this podcast. Oof, yeah, we uh, got to be careful. Like every other episode, yeah, especially with like three white hosts at this point in this climate and getting ready for election season. Ooh. Um, but yeah, Ooh. it is a really interesting like historic fact they bring up too. Is like Ginza, which is part of Tokyo, is like one of the few that survived bombing, and because of that, it's always been like kind of an a wealthy upscale shopping area though that kind of changes in this movie as it goes 
for uh, I guess an AU of Tokyo. Um, but yeah, he he gets there. We basically see the two sides. I like that it is a lot of well developed characterizations of like you see people saying like you know it's good you survived. You shouldn't have thrown your life away for a government that doesn't care. And there's people like the neighbor that's like, you could have helped us win the war. You know, you're a coward. Well, I think it also goes to, like, she never has a scene where she apologized to him. But it is, I think, goes to what I was saying. Godzilla is a metaphor. I think they're a metaphor for survivor's guilt. Yeah. And everybody feels. Yeah, absolutely. And I also like that it's it's a pretty well thought up character for the neighbor because she never, never, like, apologizes but she becomes closer with the family as time moves on. Because I think it's that thing of you don't need to say the things out yeah. loud. You just kind of have to grow and survive as a person as things go. Yeah. Or you don't, but either way. Um, and I also like how she was like too. pompous throughout the entire film. Like as the movie went on, it's like, yeah, all right, I'm kind of forgiving you. But she also was like, you dick. Like, especially at the yes. end. Like, you were going to kill yourself. Yeah, she's still alive, you dumbass. Yeah, you have to raise your dumb kid. And just... <laughs> Yeah, it was. I, I liked her character a lot. Oh, yeah. Really she, great actor. She's great. I, yeah. I started hating her, like, I think as you should. But then by the end, it's like, yeah, no, this is maybe my favorite character in the film. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, she was also mad because she'd had children that had died during yeah, exactly. the carpet bombings. I, I think her. It's justifiable that she's mad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's like, I, I think that's once again, all the characters are very believable in this film, even if you don't spend too much time with all of them. Um, but then this is when you also meet. Uh, Noriko and uh, her do- well daughter basically, but there's a you know street urchin girl who survived. Her family's wiped out, and then she was told to take care of a a pretty young girl after her mom passed oh, away. I don't know why you said they're pretty. Well, I mean, <laughs> hey, as in the girl is pretty young, like oh, well, yeah. she, it was a baby. I mean, it was a beautiful baby. Yeah. I mean, if we're gonna be honest, it's right, well, this has been fun, guys. I think I'm gonna. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, it's been really fun. Oh, it's it gets a... worse. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have this. I'm not going to do the sexy baby, but it was, the baby <laughs> was very cute. But yeah, she basically, like, you know, hands the baby off to him when she's getting chased by a few people after she's stolen some baked goods. And then he's like, well, I could just throw the baby. And she's like, okay, well, we're just going to stay at your place. And he's like, eh, fine. <laughs> like, I feel like, once again, it's a, it seems kind of like pretty a crazy idea of you just let somebody stay at your house after this happens, but also like in a pre. Or a post-war Japan with that happening, I think it kind of makes sense. Well, it's also good good characterization for our main character. Like he he just doesn't give a shit anymore. Like he chose yeah. to live, but he's not active like actively trying to make better of his life. He's just letting things happen. He's to basically him. yeah, just yeah. existing. Yeah, going with the flow. Whatever's yeah. gonna if happen. It was is an gonna MCU happen. movie. Yeah, if it was an MCU movie, he would get there and be like, "Well, that just happened," and then, you know, start going on. With and then we <laughs> jump ahead a few years, and they've kind of the apartment's been built up a bit better than it was and uh he uh says he found a job they've built kind of like a little domestic sort yeah, of situation nice. together yeah. yeah they have a partnership yeah and um i think a little thing too that's nice they have the one scene with once again the neighbor that's kind of an asshole first but she gives them uh rice to make for porridge yeah. she's like yeah you won't be able to feed the baby if you're not breastfeeding so here's so the baby survives you idiots yeah. Which, once again, is a great characterization because it kind of shows you that they're about... And she complains about it the whole time. But that's, yeah, that's... Yeah. She's not going to let people you... Acting like, yeah. When people act like anime protagonists, it's right after World War II, so they get to act like that. <laughs> yeah, you kind of earn that, I feel like. You know, if you if you lost your family and you're like, hey, you guys don't know how to raise a fucking baby, you're going to yeah. be like, here's the rice, you idiots. Um, but yeah, they, they set it up where they've gotten a, a bit of a nicer place but they need to make more money, so he, he takes a job and they kind of slowly reveal that it's 
going through and scooping up all the mines that have been left in like the Tokyo. Yeah, destroying area. errant land mines. And I've mines. sea mines. Yeah. And I feel like it, it picks up really nicely too at this point of you get to meet the main cast of crew of the you have the captain, um, who yeah, I wrote down for the same actor uh, was Kuranosuke Suzuki plays the captain, really great actor too. He's been in a bunch of other great Japanese films. Um, and then you have, like we said, the doc. He's in like almost all of Yamazaki's movies. And I, once again, just great character actor. Like I want to watch the rest of his films to see him as a main actor and see how he does now. Because he's just he's really affable, charming, just like this kind of like, you know, just a really likable dude. It's it's hard to describe him exactly. And then you have the young kid on the crew too with him. Um, they kind of have a few scenes in them bonding as they kind of get better at their job. And then you know you know Godzilla got to be coming back at this point. They do a very good job of like covering a long stretch of time. Yeah. And making it feel natural, like them becoming friends, like going over to his house for dinner and mm-hmm. his house looks nicer than it did like showing you the passage of time very effectively yeah mm. i also love that they were able to tie it back to like i mean what he did in the military he's effectively still manning a gun it's just on a boat and blowing up things at a distance rather than flying around and doing stuff yeah yeah it's, it's just a lot of good once again like use of characters that are kind of like limited with your time and what you want to do in a godzilla film but you get to know them all pretty well enjoy their presence so it, it is that thing of people always talk about like why can't they just make a Godzilla movie where just like Godzilla fights and just have the characters be there every once in a while I'm like well it kind of does make sense you do want to have a grounded good cast that you care for because it does mm-hmm. make you more involved and invested I think, feel like when Godzilla shows up um, and then man when he shows up again I, I do want to talk about this because like we were, we were talking about it earlier the whole chasing basically is they, they mentioned that they've been having Godzilla sightings they were doing nuclear testing off the shores where it was and um, they get the message that one of the warships has been down suddenly, and they see a bunch of giant bite marks and things in it. And like, what could cause this? And then our boy pops up, which leads to this really, really fun chase scene. Um, I get, well, they kind of set it up a little bit before that happens. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, because I remember at some point, he, the main character, sees Godzilla, and I'm like, oh shit, it's Godzilla! Yeah. And then I feel like the government charters those boats to just kind of be out there and just wait and let them know if you see Godzilla and do everything you can to stop it. Right, because they have the time to basically rig, like, a bunch of the mines they've been kind of, you know, scavenging in the back of the boat. So it's this whole fun chase and setup scene of, like, Godzilla's coming after this little wooden boat they're on because they established they can't be on a metal boat because it attracts the mines that have magnets on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're basically just trying to outrun Godzilla and, like, pop the mines against him. One goes off, does jackedly shit, they're like, okay, well, let's get in his mouth, which they eventually get to the point and he fires it off. But the whole, like, in- intensity of that whole chasing is just, like, perfect. Like you mentioned, I feel like I feel like this director had to be inspired by Jaws, and, like, I want to get I get that kind of terror of being on the sea and this giant thing chasing you. Because, um, yeah, it just I feel like it's what made me really fall in love with the movie at that point, too. I, I absolutely love There is not a single, like, bit of wasted character movement there. Everyone has shit to do on that boat to try to not fucking die. Yeah. I also... And then I, I think... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just saying, um, I mean, I also like in this movie, and I think it really shows in the chase scene, this definitely seems like the Godzilla has the most, Godzilla has the most uh, personality. Like, he seems very self-aware of what he's doing, where every other Godzilla movie is like, Godzilla, oh, he's just here to cause destruction. He's just a force of nature. Here, he's like, oh, I I know I need to fuck up this boat. I'm going to fuck up this boat. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit after we saw it together, um, but I love that Godzilla, every shot in this film, he just, he looks so pissed off. He's just like, <laughs> oh, you motherfuckers. Yeah, that's like, what I mean. Like, he, he's got personality, you. and he knows what yeah. he's, do- like, he's not just this big animal. He's actually got, yeah. like, a grudge with humanity. And I think it's, like, it's really fun if you're going by the Toho releases of this being right after Shin Godzilla, because they're just such different Godzillas, because in Shin Godzilla, he is just a force of nature where there is almost, like, no personality is just just a raw chaotic being that's causing destruction right and in this one it's like he's just this really pissed off guy where it's like i specifically hate this one dude like it feels <laughs> like he's just like going after him the whole time which i mean it, it's once again works for the plot of the film where it's like he is a an exact analogy of his like post-war grief and guilt so he has to deal with it but like godzilla really goes out of his way to be like fuck you dude <laughs> Which I love, absolutely, in this film. I also love in um, that scene, like, with the boats, how uh, Shikishima's like, oh my god, Godzilla did this, Godzilla did this, and everyone was like, yeah, right, but then they're so quick to just jump to acceptance, like, okay, it is Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once again, like, great characterization, and, like, I think doing good world building of, like, this is something you wouldn't see normally, but as soon as they see Godzilla, it's not like, I can't believe it's real, they're just like, go, 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 <laughs> like... He's like, oh, yeah. shit, all right. Just but- like he said... But yeah, I feel like that sets it up really well. They they get out of the situation just narrowly where he goes off because another warship shows up and he basically beats the shit out of that and they can get out of there. And then it's a whole lead up of like, we know Godzilla's going to be coming through Tokyo again. There's some planning and all that, but they're not really sure what to do. And of course, like, I'd say this is the only time the movie kind of like forecasts what's going to happen a little bit too easily. Of he gets back and Nariko's like, I got a job in Ginza. Nothing ever bad could happen in Ginza. I'm going to go to Ginza where Godzilla definitely is not going to show up or do anything. He like, might as well have just said that. Ginza where Godzilla is not. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's also been a will they, won't they that we've not talked about with yeah. uh, the main character and what's her name? Nariko. Yeah. Yeah, Nariko, where like he definitely should like ask her to marry him and they can raise the child together as hers. And have they talked about that yet? I feel like. Has he said the line, like, my war is not over yet? Yeah, that's where he wakes up one night having a nightmare that Godzilla is basically chasing him again. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's that whole thing. If they even show, like, I think he's trying to connect with her, but he's just like, I can't even tell if I'm dead or alive. What's the point of me being here? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, just shut up. <laughs> like, just slaps him around a little bit. Like, come on, get it together, man. Which I do like her character is very much, like, she seems very pragmatic and, like, okay, well, we just have to keep living and surviving at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I also like how they didn't, yeah, I also like how in that scene, I felt like they were going to take, you know, the the cliche way out when he's having a break and he's like, oh my God, oh my God. And then she just, to shut him up, she just kisses him. I was, I'm glad that they didn't go that route. She was actually willing to just t- actually talk him through his anxiety attack instead of just shut up and kiss me. Yeah. yeah. Which I feel like would be definitely the weirdest way to start any relationship. Like, yeah, I was just having a dream where I was killed by Godzilla and we just start kind of like macking on each other. <laughs> Like, I, I think at that point you're, like, going to couples therapy at least five, ten years down the road if you make <laughs> oh, it Oh, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, the, once again, the, all the characterization I feel like is really well done in the film for that fact of it feels more of a realistic kind of natural thing of, like, if that happened in real life, you would talk it out. It wouldn't be just, like, okay, bye. <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, it, it's really well done. And uh, getting to, like I was saying, too, she gets a job in Ginza. Of course, that's when Godzilla shows up. And I feel like this is great because, like, they need to have, like, one scene where he's doing, like, the classic destruction through Tokyo. 
Um, and it's once again they do they do a good job of making him really terrifying and just like going nuts on a bunch of trains and then get through the buildings. That that fucking reporting crew on the building was <laughs> so, so funny. Oh my funny. god, I love that. that was, I love it was an obvious callback to um, the original with the uh, news reporters on the tower and then Gazelle just knocks over the tower. It's a good reference, and I like that the director did like okay, well we can make this scene pre dramatic but also let's have this one really funny scene right before this happens because it is like literally like oh, he's getting closer this seems pretty bad oh he's right and it just bam <laughs> yeah it's uh there's there's so many little things in the film to love like that but um another fun thing is you get to see him do the destruction of ginza and basically the main character uh shikishima tries to meet up with noriko to get her out of there she like has this whole scene where she's like in the train falling out of it and like somehow survives he finds her, and then right, right before they can get to a safe place, she pushes him into this little back alley as he fires off his nuclear blast. Um, the special effects, I feel like we haven't talked as much to, are, I, I can't believe there's like a $20 million budget for oh, this. no, he, the the, guy, the director said it was less than $15 million. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it looks better than most any of the, I'd say, legendary films. Oh, absolutely. Uh, which I don't, I don't have too many problems with. I still think they're fun and stupid, but they have really, really, really big budgets compared to this. Yeah, so. yeah. that well, mostly go to the. I feel like those mostly go to the actors because if you think yeah, about it, the MonsterVerse has had some pretty big names: you know, Samuel L. Jackson, Tom Hiddleston, M- Millie Bobby yeah. Brown, Kyle Chandler. Yeah. Getting the actors and Brian so Cranston. much of what's going on on screen is just made with computers yeah they needed every to single that. aspect of it they needed to make that entire 3d dome that king kong needed to live in for reasons oh do we have is this is this a guy in a rubber suit is there any guy in a rubber suit for this I mean, they, movie so they do the motion capture now which i think is like a pretty good way of modernizing it i feel like. i don't think they did motion oh, capture I, for this one i think it was just that they were working with a 3d model Ooh, I would, yeah, I could be, be wrong. I've heard I've heard many people say that it was just a 3D model, and I haven't I haven't heard anything about uh, motion capture. Yeah, really and for for Godzilla, like this Godzilla moves like Godzilla from the original movie, so yeah. you don't really need too much. And I was fine with how Godzilla anytime the really action packed stuff like when it was when it was in the water, and that's the only way you could really do a chase scene with Godzilla. I feel like yeah, they didn't need to do motion capture with Shin Godzilla either because they did it for that movie and in his like final form he just was just a statue walking through Tokyo. Not a lot of movement. Yeah. yeah. I think the only way they could do motion capture for Shin Godzilla is if they somehow made the thing real. But that's yeah. at least how they get like two of those forms. Yeah. That would be really fun. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I should mention too this was also the music was scored by Naoki Satio, um, who does a lot with uh, Yamazaki. Because I, I, one thing I really like, I feel like the soundtrack was really amazing for this film. There's a lot of really great build-up to it, where, it, of course, they have the original 1954 Godzilla theme. They kind of layered up with a few things to make it more of a uh, kind of like natural sound with the soundtrack, what they do. But I like that there's like a lot of looping and layering as it goes for the film of this build-up for most of the scenes. Especially when we get to the very end of it, which we'll wait to get to. But like, I, I really liked enough where I went out of my way to listen to the soundtrack after the movie. I'm like, this this is really good shit. So, um, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the modern ones do have that going because Shin Godzilla has a really great soundtrack too. And then the legendary films are just maybe something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember you mentioning the soundtrack, but I it's great. It's been a while since I've seen this movie now, but. Yeah. I can't really think of it. The soundtrack. Hot oh, takes. Uh, I think the Shin Godzilla soundtrack is is uh, better. 
I think that's fair because there's a lot of fun tracks on the Shin Godzilla one that give send-ups to both Godzilla and then also stuff that Anos worked on too. Yeah. I will say I do kind of remember with this movie minus one that sometimes when the Godzilla theme, the classic Godzilla theme came up, it was a little like, okay, I definitely noticed that. It's a little jarring yeah. from the rest of the movie. Like, fuck you if you don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here if you're not going to play it? You know? Exactly. Oh, no, I, I I absolutely wanted that. I was waiting for that theme, and I, I feel like they use it so well. Mm. Yeah. Although, we'll be honest, the, the main Godzilla theme is really the only music I remember from the movie. Well, you got to have the Godzilla theme and the when the military, like, starts getting their act together and pulling out their tanks with the laser beams and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're right. Famously, too. Oh, I was saying, you're right, like, me too. Like the only tracks I really remember from this movie is the Godzilla theme. They reused the uh, King, the original King Kong versus Godzilla theme, and the uh, theme they use in the trailer. Which that I think is was just the best um, soundtrack out of them all. Like all yeah. that was just so yeah. foreboding and eerie. It, they they did what the Shin Godzilla trailer did and amplified it by a hundred. Yeah, absolutely. I I like that it was like it feels like they went whole cloth into the film of like being very direct with what like what he wanted to have with this Godzilla film, how it all kind of came together. I feel like going back to like how they don't waste any parts in this is like after the destruction of Ginza and then you know Noriko being dead, which I'm doing quotation marks. Um, they hold the service for her. It's, yeah. It's sad that the child whoever, actor whoever yeah no whoever that kid is they i don't know how they made her cry <laughs> like that but she was great yeah i mean if, i feel like being a being a father i think any anybody seeing this like i cried during that scene because it was just so sad about how well they did it but i also like once again like how I, they don't waste any time because he's at the funeral and then the doctor's like hey we have a group together that's coming up with a plan to deal with godzilla and there's not like any like back and forth is like yeah i want that guy fucking dead i'm just like i'm tired of him like i want him dead i want his family fucking dead yeah. i want mothra's head on a spike godzuki in the ground bring <laughs> me the wings of rodan so i can hang them as a trophy yeah angerus maybe i don't know it's always unclear what he's doing but you know what maybe get him to um yeah it's it's a really fun like we get to the next scene right away of like they know Godzilla's gonna come back uh, Doc's got this whole group together, and then you find out that he used to be like a naval officer of like the sciences, so he has a lot of connections. And it's basically anyway, we don't just find that out. We've been referring to him as Doc like the whole time. That's true. Yeah, we know he's a former military doctor. I thought he was just like a like a pediatric like <laughs> surgeon they put on the boat. Uh, I should be working on like curing kids, but I don't know. I just got to call him to get mines. Uh, there, uh, there's not there's yeah, not they, much they, of a market for uh, foot doctors, so here I am. <laughs> yeah. we can even afford shoes what's the point um yeah they they, they they have the whole reveal that yeah he has all these connections because he was a navy science officer um another thing too is they do a really good commentary i thought this was interesting reading interviews with uh yamazaki when the film was made is he wanted this to also be an analogy for covid when it came out and how you know most of the major governments of the world didn't have a good proper response so he wanted to make it an analogy in this film of like this is people coming together and having to help each other out because the government just doesn't really care at that point, um, which is exactly like the whole speech is like we're a people citizens group, the government has no say or what they can do, and all of our money is being put into post war efforts that they can't give into like getting us weapons or dealing with it. So we're going to take care of it, and then they get into this whole planning scene where it's basically like I love the detail of the planning scene of like how they're going to kill Godzilla. Is like okay, well. We're going to make him go really deep in the ocean so, like, the pressure kills him. And then before that's like, well, in case that doesn't work, we're going to bring him back up really fast. And then if that doesn't kill him, 
I don't know. I also, yeah, it, it, I, he's a realist too. Yeah, I love how honest he is. Where in most movies, the scientist comes up with a plan. He's like, "This is gonna work a hundred percent. You can count on me." Like, but in here, it's like, "Will this work?" He's like, "Maybe. I don't know. This is just an <laughs> idea. This is our only." And I, I think it's really great because it's it once again makes the film feel very realistic for a Godzilla film, which I think is always hard to pull off because. Godzilla will pull you out of the film being realistic anyway, but I like that once again the doc character's like, we don't know if this is gonna work, but we gotta we gotta do something. World War Two really helped that because World War Two is like something it's so monolithic, but it it did happen. It yes. was real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's debatable. I feel like these days. You um, think of the Holocaust? Oh, okay. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. You're not allowed to say that. That's supposed to be my joke. Yeah. <laughs> And listen, my also no, I'm not gonna go down that cheesy bit because my grandfather <laughs> fell off the tower. Um, I like that I can just say the bits, and I think we know what it is. If you went to middle school in the late '90s, early 2000s, even um, now, yeah, it's probably still. I, I was pulling up too for the whole uh, Wikipedia article for the movie, but the main character basically gets enlisted to help with this, and then they they realize they're gonna need like a diversion to get Godzilla out, so they basically get him set up with this. Uh, basically, it's like the the feat of engineering of like Japan's aircraft military of like they have this one leftover prototype that they need to get restored. It is a good everybody coming together. So it's like it's kind of like an American equivalent would be all of New York throwing garbage at Green Goblin. Uh, yeah, in the uh, that's a really good analogy. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> and it, you know what, Godzilla kind of is the Willem Dafoe of this film. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I, I feel like the really cool thing too is like they once again they take actual things from Japan's history, of the ship uh, they that they put the guy in basically to distract Godzilla with was like a real one that they oh. actually had one with a model of. There's also some theming of like you gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, yeah. A few times they say like if if I don't do it, we don't do it. Who's going to do it? And that's sort of like uh, you gotta take what life's hands to you, no matter how much it sucks. You can kick and scream and complain about it but you still got to be alive so yeah someone's got to do it we have to we have to help everybody yeah it's, it's beautiful and i i love a film where it's people coming together while simultaneously saying the government doesn't fucking do anything <laughs> yeah, or care yeah. yeah uh but yeah and i looked it up it's, it's called the shinden which is actually a real fighter jet that they were working on uh at the very end of japan's war and they realized they couldn't do the. Now it's Japan's war. You know what? You know yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm off American nationalism. <laughs> Japan shall rise again. The rising sun will set no more. Um, no, it's a it's a really interesting thing because it's a real ship. You can read the whole Wikipedia article on the Shinden, which I thought is really cool. Once again, touch for the film. Oh, does it have a section for uh, Godzilla minus one now? It does actually. Oh, that's beautiful. Because the thing is that um, Toho went like the above and beyond where they did an entire reproduction of the Shinden. And they donated to like an aerial uh, museum in Japan without any like saying like who gave it. And then when Godzilla minus one came, I was like, "Hey, it was us. We made this," <laughs> which I thought's like a really fun thing. Oh, that's so rad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's a neat little thing. Once again, it's just another like little touch to why I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, not spoiler before we put reviews, but yeah. And I I do love they they then go to wrap this around because this ship needs to be fixed up. And he can only think of one person who could do it, and it's the original mechanic who who like looked at his plane when he was abandoning his duty as a kamikaze pilot. Um, and a fun touch with that too is uh, the the name of the pilot that is Tachibana is like uh, they have this whole scene where it's like how am I going to find him, and he kind of gets like an address where he's around, 
And I like that his technique is he sends off a bunch of letters saying, like, you didn't do your job, you, you suck. <laughs> and it got him to show up and, like, punch the shit out of him, like, you son of a bitch. Oh, not just punch the shit out of him, he fucking sneaks up behind him, knocks him out, bounds him together, brings him to his own house, and then beats him up. Yeah. And once again, I like that there's, like, a lot of really good, like, realistic characterization in this film. Of like, if I was the guy, like, my entire crew that I was close with got killed because of this one guy wimping out and then he sent these letters off I would probably do a very similar thing like I'm gonna beat the shit out of this dude that's a very <laughs> realistic he thing you're right. he would come yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah it's, it is a really great scene where he kind of comes around and he says that he has the picture still and he's thought about every day how he needs to do this to make it right so after like some reluctance Tachibana shows up okay I gotta the reason I, re- I I keep saying his name Tachibana is because it's the name of the the secondary like main character in Kamen Rider, so oh, it's very course. easy to remember. Of course, and also like there's a Tachibana in all of Ano's Shin movies too, which is really fun. Um, but anyways, he finally comes together. He gets together with the crew to restore the the plane. We get to the final showdown, and like once again, I feel like the film does a really good job of just progressing and keeping it going, where you're enjoying it the whole time. Of the whole chase scene, the score with it I thought was fantastic. Of, like, Godzilla's basically gets there quicker than they can. They're not sure if they'll be able to distract him. And then I feel like, once oh, again... Brandon, Brandon, we skipped over my, my absolute favorite scene in the movie. What's that? Well, okay, it's after after plane's been fixed up. Everything's, like, ready to go. His... Actually, I can't remember if it's at this point. When does his daughter, like, hand him the drawing? Oh, that's right. I forgot. Right before he goes the night before. This little girl makes the... It's the shittiest fucking I love how realistic it is. Well, she's also, like, what, three? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's... I'm I'm so glad they didn't be, like... They didn't put the extra effort to be... Or not the extra effort. I'm glad they didn't, like, try to romanticize it. Right. Look, this little girl made, like, a photorealistic picture of her. It's like... She's a prodigy. Little doodles. And it... Yeah. It means so much more that way. Or if it was like a really like cheesy Hollywood production, it would be like where it's like a decent drawing, but it says like mom, dad, I love you on it. It's just it's two circles <laughs> with like hands and feet on them basically. Like it's it's like, so even bad. for three. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it could be a doing a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> like kid, I know you're three, but you're not even trying. Yeah. It's, if it's... I survive this encounter with Godzilla, we're gonna find some like good professional help to get you on track. I feel like you're getting a little behind. It's, you're going to art school, so young lady. <laughs> legitimately seeing that drawing did make me tear up a bit yeah because once again they do a good job of making it realistic like it's the, the fact that his three-year-old daughter would do that it's just like oh damn oh and and our main character is you know he's, he's planning to bring it full circle he's planning to kamikaze himself into godzilla to make sure that he fucking dies yeah they basically he's not sure if the whole doing the freon to go under the pressure killing him and coming back up will be enough so it's like hey i need you to load this up with a bomb because I remember when we got the mine in his mouth, it did some good damage to him. Um, so the whole buildup is like, I'm going to do this. And the whole scene and lead up to that is they get on the two, no, three naval cruisers that have been donated to them that have basically had all the weapons removed that are all just to distract Godzilla out into the ocean to get him surrounded with the Freon gas to make him go down. The whole buildup and the chase and all that with that is really well done. But they have the whole lead up. He gets him out there into the ocean. The Freon drops him down, and the whole special effects for this is all really cool, of, like, watching the effect for that. Oh, it looks so good. Um, but yeah, the, the the secondary part of the plan is that they have these inflatable rafts to bring him back up at a very high speed, so that the preservation re- of re-entry will kill him. And of course, like, halfway through, this is a scene I really love too, is he stops rising to the top, and they're like, what happened? And they just show the shoots come up, and it's like, oh yeah, he just chewed them off. Like, once again... <laughs> 
I love this is like such a pissed off Godzilla that I can just imagine him like biting him off like, ah, fuck you guys. <laughs> um, and then, once again, uh, another great scene is all before this too, they, they tell the young character, the kid, like, you can't come along. We don't know if we're gonna if we're gonna survive. You should have the honor of not being in the war because you don't deserve that as a kid. But we we didn't mention this earlier as well. Like this kid is like somewhat obsessed with war. Yeah. Like he even he, he even addresses these men as like, hey, you guys are so lucky you got to go to war. I never got the chance to enlist or do that. And it's like, don't fucking say that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's basically like somebody having like a PTSD in front of you from the war there, and he's like, oh, that'd have been so cool if that was me. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was um, also yeah, they, pretty yeah, they, at they, the time. Yeah. Were, was in um, war amongst young men, sort of like romanticized, because I'm not sure how it was in Japan, oh, but like in America, even in America, I'm sure. Yeah, in America, well, it, fourteen-year-olds yeah, lied about like, their age just so they could go off to Germany. Like Uncle yeah, Sam survivor needs survivor's guilt and cultural trauma. Yeah, uh, yeah, generational trauma. Yeah, my grandpa's one of those guys that did that too at fourteen, which is wild to me. So, God damn. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's. I feel like that's a really good job once again of like representing like all of the different like reactions and type of people in post-war Japan of like and how they felt about it. But the reason we're talking about it is that they can't pull him up. He basically the kid shows up with a fleet of other tugboats to help out and get Godzilla. It's like a Dunkirk sort of moment. Yeah, <laughs> which is really fun. Um, but yeah, they get him into the top, and once again, it's not working how they wanted to, and he's getting ready to fire off another beam. So the main character takes the ship and flies it right in his mouth. But, you know, they, they do the kind of... They, they want to give you the happy ending. They have an ejection seat for him. They make it so dramatic. I I haven't brought this up yet. The only way that I've seen Godzilla Minus One was unfortunately in 4DX. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> and I know... Well, yeah, we got to talk about this for a um, little bit. I, I, I believe they released it in 4DX. I know. it. So during that scene, like, there's no movement in the seats. They cut the music. Because it's silent... Everyone was expecting something to happen, so like laughter started coming through the theater, <laughs> and it. I felt emotional whiplash while watching this thing in 4DX, but it's so fucking well done. Yeah, and it was um, seeing the movie in 4DX was an experience in itself of like, I had to get up to use the bathroom, and the seats were moving so much as like I don't know if I'm gonna survive <laughs> this, like getting out of the seat. Like, it was honestly like if you were stuck on a roller coaster in an internal loop, and at one point you're like, well, I gotta get out to use the bathroom. Now, why did you go see it in 4DX? Did you guys go see it? We saw it together. Oh, okay. for, well, yeah. Was that just the only showing you could find? Well, at the time, and then they extended the release. So when I was out in uh, visiting my parents in Florida for Christmas, we went to go see it again for me, my dad, my brother. <laughs> Without the 4DX experience, and I can say it's a very different movie <laughs> of, like, literally 4DX has an option on a button on the side that says turn off water, because any of the boat scenes, if you didn't do that, it's just spraying this water is, in your This face. is a very wet film. Yeah. You, just, you could leave this soaking if you see this in 4DX, which I, I don't think is the Godzilla experience I want. This was my first 4DX movie experience. Like, this is my... 4DX was my second time seeing it, and I thought it was just going to be like, oh, it sprays you with a little mist, and the seats rumble a little. Like, no, you get fucking thrown, dude. They fucking yeah. move like crazy. I've seen two movies in 4DX. Like, one, the May, uh, the newest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which, like, it's just fucking distracting. Like, I want to pay attention to the movie, but everything's... Yeah. And then the Meg 2, and it's good for the Meg 2. Mm. Yeah. See, I... Again, I don't need to take this off on too much of a tangent, but, like, I want to see, like, a real piece of shit in 4DX. Like, <laughs> Jason Statham's new film, The Beekeeper? Yeah, I want to yeah. see that in 4DX. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to see a, a good, thoughtful movie in 4DX ever again. Yeah, it would be like if you were watching Schindler's List in a giant... Schindler's List in 4DX. <laughs> yeah. 
Like if a guy, when you're watching it, just runs in your house and shakes you dramatically during the film and it just does that like five times throughout it. Which I think would be kind of a fun experience. I want to watch Marley in the N4DX. When he passes away and they have to put him down, it just shoots water at you. Oh, God, man. I would, you, that would be a fun experience. Like nails come up, you just get poked with nails. Yeah. Oh, I think they do that for the passion, actually, in 4DX. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mel, Mel Gibson's working on it right now. Passion to the Christ. Um, I'm copywriting that. Anyways, uh, yeah. So he escapes. Um, I do think that they, they give you a very happy ending for the film at this point, which is like, I, I think I kind of expected it, but they have a scene where the neighbor gets a telegram and runs off with the daughter to the, the docks when he's coming back. And then he basically tells uh, Shikishima that, hey, actually, Noriko's alive in the hospital. So they have a fun, kind of nice, happy... Because he didn't spend two minutes looking for her afterwards. Hey, I wouldn't say fun. Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, They basically show her recovering, and they get to hug and embrace, but then they show that she has like some type of basically, like... I want to say weird mutation on her neck. I, I think it's supposed to be radiation poisoning. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's supposed to specifically be like, oh my god, she's going to be a Godzilla, or it's a Godzilla scale. I... To, to refresh, like, my mind for this... She could be a Biollante. I read the Wikipedia page for this, like, two weeks ago, and whoever had written down the story, the, the part of the movie, was like, oh, yeah, she had grown, like, a Godzilla fin. And I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> well, there have been <laughs> a lot of artists that changed. have been drawing her in, like, the hospital, and, like, she's actually growing Godzilla dorsal fins at her shoulder. I've seen a lot of those art pieces around social media. I, so, I don't so like, like that. Section 9, but with Godzilla? <laughs> section, oh, you mean District uh, 9? Rule- District yeah. 9. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was next to District yeah. 9. They had a little bit less funding. Section 9 housing. Yeah. I mean, if they do a sequel, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. But yeah, I think that I think it would be just like... I don't think she'd turn into a full Godzilla. I don't think it's... I mean... like she'd be a sexy Godzilla. I, I think it's... I think you it's, don't think Godzilla's already sexy? Yeah, come, come on, come on. those thunder I, thighs. I like Everyone loves happy. some thighs, man. Yeah. He's a thick boy. Yeah. I, I feel like this happy ending is is earned yeah because he has come full circle as a character and he chose to live and like it's not like they get out of this unscathed she has radiation poisoning and they're just going to live their lives the best that they can yeah and it's 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 fucking beautiful it's it's really well done i feel like it, it definitely earned the ending and like we can go right into the review section to uh i mean i feel like we'll give it what, what do we do for godzilla minus one is it minus five out of minus <laughs> fives but minus five is good or is it if you get up to zero, it's good? No, it's Godzilla. It's a Godzilla minus one divided by five. Dude, um, I am too tired to I, do math. How, <laughs> how, how about we give it out of uh, photos of deceased, deceased comrades, yeah. loved ones? I would say yes. You know maybe that's a little too wordy. No, yeah, he has he has five out of five deceased soldiers. I'd say <laughs> I'd give this a four point five out of five deceased soldier photos. Um, um, I wouldn't give it a perfect five out of five. Well, I'm I'm really tempted. I, I I really fucking loved it. I got to see it twice, which was nice. I'm also glad I did because the first time was 40x, so I got to see I got to see the declownified version of it. Um, and each time I just really enjoyed it. I would in my personal ranking, I would actually this is going to sound sacrilegious, put it maybe a little bit ahead of Shin Godzilla, um, but I think they're both excellent films back to back with each other, and they're both great in their own ways. So I I don't know if I'd even pit them against each other because they're so different. But overall, for structure, how good the movie was, I think for anybody who's not like a Godzilla fan, they would enjoy this film even too for what it is. So yeah, definitely, it's a four point seven five. So like you have like 
all the photos are there, but like one of the edges kind of got cut off a little bit. And it's it's fine. The, all the other pictures are covered in blood and bent up. Yeah, no, they can they can fix that in Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, no. the AI is getting crazy, four, so <laughs> easily fix that. I will personally give it a four out of five. It's a really good movie. Definitely one of the best Godzilla movies. Probably the best after Shin Godzilla. But I agree, they're very different types of movies. So like I would give it a five but i think that like i don't know i haven't seen it again i feel like it would maybe lose something on rewatches because it is a very simple movie mm. and that's one of the things i like about it is how simple it is but yeah it's really good i think it's a movie that it's pretty anodyne like i think anybody could watch it and enjoy it get something out of it like i can't see i don't really see somebody maybe somebody's watching it and thinking it's too boring but I think it does have good action and it's got a good human drama. So yeah, four out of five. I uh, I also want to give this I want to give this movie a solid four and a half out of five, only because I've only seen it once and I saw it in 4DX. I feel like the score would go up when I can see it again in theaters or when I can get the Blu-ray. I it's just a good movie. It's just something I feel like I can recommend to anyone, and I have been recommending to absolutely everybody. Uh, I will get more into my thoughts on it seeing it in 4DX. So fucking distracting. You're you're getting rocked around every time Godzilla's on on screen. Um, at one point, like during that the first meeting with everyone where they're deciding like how to attack Godzilla, the main character moves a chair a little bit hard, and you feel that in 4DX, and it feels so fucking unnecessary. <laughs> and then even at the end of the film, I couldn't tell if the if the like water device was broken or not. But when the main character is crying because he was just re- reunited with Mariko, like it started spraying water at me. Like the chair was trying to cry for me. <laughs> yes. Cry, you're sad, you're sad. So don't see this in 4DX. Uh, cannot recommend this movie enough. I can't wait to see it again. I think I put it on the exact same level as... Or actually, no, I put it a little bit below Shin Godzilla. I want to watch it a few more times before I like put it on a definitive place, but just... I adore this movie. I, yeah. I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Um, easy 4.5 out of 5. Um, I can definitely see like why people there are, why there are some people that don't like this movie, but all everything that's wrong with this movie is severely overshadowed by everything that's right with this movie. Um, I love how this is just barreling into the mainstream and people who have before haven't even given a shit about Godzilla are starting to talk about it and that this is actually happening uh with because of an authentic Japanese Godzilla movie like yeah we saw it a little bit back in 2014 when the first legendary movie was being made people were like oh oh cool Godzilla's back but now it's like people are like oh shit Godzilla's back and um, people, and I forget which one of you said it, but people who aren't necessarily into Godzilla are liking this. Um, uh, I went with my girlfriend to see this the second time around, and she, not really a Godzilla fan or a giant monster movie fan, but we walked out and she was like, that was really good. And, you know, my uh, my parents were in town a couple weeks ago for dinner, um, and my dad was like, hey, what's, uh, what's up with that new Godzilla movie? Is it any good? I was thinking about going to see that. I've been hearing good things about it. So this... Uh, the fact that this movie is just breaking into the mainstream makes it de- deserving of a high rating in and of itself. Um, I think, personally, I still like Shin Godzilla a little bit more than this movie. And when I say a little bit, I mean a very little bit. Like, like minus one is really close. 
Um, but I think it's, that's just because I'm just such a fan of how that movie was made. You know, it has that distinct oh, Hidekiano style. Um, the soundtrack was incredible. Just the destruction and that the that 20 minutes in the middle where Godzilla does most of his rampaging, I still believe is some of the best destruction in the entire Godzilla franchise. I still stand by that. But um, completely agree. Yeah, but no, this is definitely. Minus one is definitely going to be in my ever-changing list of top ten Godzilla movies for a very long time. Probably top three. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still wild to me that back-to-back for the Toho productions that you have Shin Godzilla and then Godzilla Minus One, which are probably, like, two of the best Godzilla. They, they're, they're kicking the shit out of America right now. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast a bit, and we did the reviews for it of, like, we were all a little bit all over the place with Godzilla versus Kong. But I, I feel like they're good films for how stupid they are. It's like great popcorn flicks. But like to see how amazingly dumb those movies are compared to this one is just like a, a world of difference. But once again, I do like the Legendary Series for keeping like that spirit of like kind of the Showa era of like. I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that they have that going. So I'm not I'm not against that either. So I I mean. It's cheesy to say, but it's it's a great time to be a Godzilla fan oh, right yeah. now. No, yeah. it, it, people have been saying honestly, it a million times, but it doesn't matter how many times it's said, doesn't make it any less true. Yeah, they they pair together. It's like a nice Chicago style popcorn. <laughs> you got your you got your Godzilla minus one. I think the classic, delicious, fantastic caramel corn, and then you got your Godzilla versus Kong, just the cheesiest it's corn you could have. So cheesy. And they go together very Look, well. Look, man, yeah, like, I love this up already for. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, the monster, we're getting the best of both worlds. Like, the MonsterVerse oh, is absolutely. junk food, basically. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Junk mm-hmm. food tastes good, but there's no substance. There's no nutrition in it. The Japanese Godzilla movies that we've been getting is a nice piece of broccoli. It's got, you know, the vitamin C. You're getting all your nutritional values, and it's good for you. And yeah. some people don't like, like to eat junk food. You know, some people are health freaks. Yeah. They want to be cautious of their diet, so they stay away from the MonsterVerse films. Like um, Nate. Yeah, it's like a it's like a roasted Brussels sprout. I feel like of like you know for many years we were turned off by Brussels sprouts because they weren't cooked properly, and then everybody's like, what if we roast these guys? Exactly. They're like that's pretty good. Like like Scrooge, who was on uh, Brandon, who was on the '98 God's, uh, Godzilla panel with yeah. us at G Fest over the summer. He's a, he's a personal trainer. He loves to he he eats healthy. So and he hates the MonsterVerse movie. So perfect example. <laughs> Makes sense. Shout out to Scrooge. Yeah, I should I should reach. I should reach out to him too sometime in the future to get him for a fun film to talk about. Maybe another uh, terrible. Oh, bring him on for Godzilla, over, you know, Godzilla and Kong, and bring me back on. I will. I would love to go head to head with him on that movie, because I know I'm gonna. <laughs> that, yeah. That'd be very chaotic. I know I'm gonna love hate that movie, and I know he's just gonna flat oh, out absolutely. hate it. I was I was sold instantly. I saw the trailer. Like, what if there was a bigger, older Kong that was mean <laughs> and they had to fight him? I'm like, yes, kindergartner plot. Yeah, like, Give it to me. Uh, deal with my one complaint to the first one is it not silly enough yeah it needs to be sillier they can't possibly make the human characters any stupider so i'm here for it (laughs) i just want them you can't can't name a character podcast and like expect to take it seriously oh was that a ghostbusters afterlife reference oh i forgot there's a guy named podcast in ghostbusters (laughs) i gotta see that well i have to see it still but I'll get there. Yeah. I mean, you you said it best. Like the MonsterVerse films, they're just modern Showa films. Like, uh, and I've been saying that for a long time. And you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I love the Showa era films, but there's part of me just gets sometimes just gets turned off by the outdated effects and um, you know the 
the obvious use of stop mo uh, stock footage. You know, when when I'm watching a show a film and I can tell that um, they're using stock footage from another Godzilla movie, or I can clearly see the strings holding up King Ghidorah or Rodan, it sometimes brings me out of it, and that's why I'm glad we have the silly uh, monsterverse films to give us that can't be sci-fi mess over the top Godzilla with modern effects. So I mean, it yeah, yeah. we're we're in the as it's I, oh sorry. I was just saying, it's like I do love that like they have like the audacity and the balls to be like, yeah, there's like a whole secret Earth under Earth. We just we never found it. <laughs> it's just that the only thing it's is, really I just can't. Oh, you cannot tell that. me that the world that we are in in Godzilla X Kong is the same one as the one we were in in Godzilla 2014. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. Like the shift, the from going from grounded in reality to fuck it, there's uh, the, the Earth is hollow was just way too quick for my liking. That's like one of my main gripes with the MonsterVerse. Yeah, and once again, that's I think like a very good note to end before we go to the stupid game section is like <laughs> I feel like Godzilla 2014. I I put pretty high up on my list of movies because they did a really great job of like making it a very modern take, and they have like a lot of really great scenes in that that I still remember. And the design for Mudo I thought was really cool, and that fight is worth it. And there's a good build up, but like it's they try to do an honest, updated, modern day American Godzilla, and I think they succeed with that. And now we're to the point where it's like there's a bigger, meaner King Kong, and they have to fight him. Yeah, now now it's just like <laughs> giant monster go. Brrr. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful for that I think too. Um, but yeah, as as I was saying, we gotta do a stupid game section. Quit playing stupid games. We're in the year of 2024. I'm excited for what new projects Ron Canada is going to be involved with. It's our, our favorite game section, which is Who the Fuck is Ron Canada? He is a character actor that we discovered in Honey, I Bloop the Kid that has over 200, I think almost 300 acting roles. He's a working actor. We love him. I looked up what his, his first role in 2024 is going to be. Ooh. And I, I'm going to give you guys three options. I want you to guess which one it is. Is it going to be the Kaiju? The Kanuki? Or the Kinjinuki. What? These are words you're saying? They're, they're Japanese words. Oh. Okay. Kaiju, Kanuki, Kinjinuki. Okay, what do the other two words mean? Because I know what kaiju means. Are you sure you're saying the words correctly? Probably not. <laughs> I, I know, at least I know kaiju's correct. Uh, I'm going to go with the third one, Kinjinuki. Kinjinuki, okay. I'm, I'm going to follow Luke on that. I'm going to say he did it all for the Kinjinuki. <laughs> so I can... Kenja Nuki. Yes. I'm gonna go with Kenja Nuki as well. Yeah, I, I Kanuki is a, it's like a Japanese word for like a kind of like a kaiju big crow beast thing, but oh. like Kenja Nuki is what his first role in 2024 is gonna be for a short he's acting in. Oh, we've like, gotta watch that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious what it is. What, East New York. No, not that's the oh. last one for 2023. He's playing someone named Jerome. Yeah. No, no, that's the name of the movie. Yeah, right, the, that's the name of the short. Yeah, and the description right now is the the Cantina Kinjinuki is the most exclusive bar in the world, and ground zero for uh, pupitating, pupitating, <laughs> pupitating, black market stock exchange. More than four trillion dollars uh, move through all the underworld annually. This is a really long description. <laughs> well, it's probably written by the filmmaker. Yeah. Who else would use pupate to yeah. describe a, a, an arms dealership? Right. The Kinjinuki is where colossal deals are made, where desperate futures are modeled, and where shadows and kingpins cross-pollinate. He's using way too many words for a short. 
the New York Stock Exchange. Be- okay, we're gonna stop. This we're is, just gonna watch this it. This is so busy. Yeah, there's a lot going well, on. Well, does it say who he plays in it? Maybe he's he just plays Jerome. Plays someone named oh, Jerome. Okay. Yeah, let's see who they have for the actors for this real quick. Brad, can we move on to our next? Yeah, let's go. Think it's stupid game. Okay, well we can't look at my screen. I, <laughs> I wanted to also ask you what the last role in twenty twenty three is, but uh, Luke just saw it, so I want to ask you. I didn't see shit. Yeah, oh. although it was the thing I said. Okay. Yeah, it was. So yeah, I'm gonna East ask of you, New York. <laughs> yeah, what was? The, we'll, we'll go with what was his second to last role in twenty twenty three? Was it a uh, Garfield? That's okay, you're guess. going with Garfield. <laughs> okay. You're just locking in for Garfield. So. As Garfield. As Garfield. <laughs> yeah. In unnamed projects. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm going to follow Luke. I'm locking in for Heathcliff. Okay. Well, I was going to give a choice of biopics, but you know what? Pick a cartoon character, Nick, and we'll see if you get the closest. I'm going to stick with the theme of, of cartoon cats. I'm going to go Fritz the Cat. Okay. Ooh. Well, the last... The second to last role was Wu-Tang in American Saga that he was in playing Uncle Sai. Oh. But I'd say out of those three choices, the closest to a Wu-Tang cartoon cat analogy would be Heathcliff, so I'll give the point to Nick. I was going to say Heathcliff's definitely closer to Wu-Tang yeah, than Garfield. Absolutely. Garfield would be like, I want to say... Garfield's like, public enemy. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, that's a fucking t-shirt right there. Yeah, Garfield. <laughs> I gotta put the t-shirt jingle in now. T-shirt. You can start selling those when Garfield becomes public domain. Oh yeah! Ooh, man, how old oh. would we have to be for that? Uh, get your well, started in the like late seventies. Yeah, get your calendar ready for fifty years from now. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it's gonna be like Steamboat Willie with Mickey Mouse, where we're all just gonna draw him with a big old boner. Because <laughs> you can't leave. I, you know the thing that I don't get with this. This is a very weird side discussion, but people are like, I can't wait for us for when Mickey Mouse becomes public domain. I'm gonna draw some really fucked up shit. I'm like you could have done it before. Yeah, like, like, I don't think you could go to, like, you know, Twitter now, Blue Sky, and post an image of, like, Mickey Mouse with a bone, or Disney's gonna be like, you quit it now. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's fun. that's inappropriate. As your OC. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. Now, you could say he's your OC, though. That is true. Because, My dick talks like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to think about that. But I feel like that's a, this is a good, you know what, I'm going to cut that right now <laughs> and just get to getting a recommendation and plugs right now before we start doing Mickey Mouse impressions, but as your dick. I it, gave her a steamboat willy. <laughs> no, we got to get, we're, we're, I'm pulling us the out. The man in the steamboat willy. That, that's, that's too obvious what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm pulling us out before we blow this whole segment. Um, All right, I gave her a Cleveland steamboat willy. Okay. Well, anyways, we'll we'll just go into good old recommendations and plugs before. Recommendations. Wrap it up here. Um, I'm gonna jump in right away with two recommendations. My daughter loves the Wiggles. Simple as that. So we were visiting my parents and killing some time, and they put out a documentary on the Wiggles uh, called Hot Potato. And we put it on jokingly, but we ended up watching the whole thing. And I gotta say, it's a really interesting band. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on with the Wiggles that you did not expect. Two of them were married at one point. Like, to, each to each other? To each other. Oh, wow. wow. You learn something new every day. The... Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. But yeah, like, uh, it, it was just a really fun documentary. It just seems like a bunch of, like, cool dudes who were like hey let's just make a band for no reason for kids and it turns out they weren't creeps which is really nice yeah. uh, and they became millionaires so good for them oh well, yeah good for them so yeah hot potato i think it's streaming on like amazon prime and a few other places but it, it was a really enthralling and entertaining documentary and uh you get to hear the wiggles cover tame impala's elephant in it too which is really fun so oh my god yeah. you're right they did do that 
it, it's it's a really good cover. I'm not even like saying that joke. Didn't they do that they a little while Tame ago? Impala's like though. that was a couple years ago. Because my buddy's a huge Tame Impala yeah, fan. He's like, and I remember one day he told me he's like, "Yo, the Wiggles just covered Tame Impala." I'm like, "What?" I don't, yeah. I don't even know what those words mean. Tame Impala's <laughs> a great band. They're they're Australian. They're a big Australian rock band. So the Wiggles during lockdown, they had a bunch of different artists covering different bands. So the Wiggles like, "Let's do Tame Impala." Yeah. If yeah. someone from like 20 years ago heard your recommendation, they're like, oh my god, this guy's having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a podcast. Yeah. The Wiggles got together. They covered Tame Impala. I need to go to the doctor right now. <laughs> uh, my, my second recommendation, too, is I'm a huge fan of One Piece, and I recently got into the One Piece trading card game. Um, it's just really fun. It's another way for it to take over your life. Yeah, which is, I mean, I need these products and services to remind me of the things I like, and it's a yeah. fun game. Plus, I, I was showing Martin it earlier today. I love that. There's so many different characters over the years in One Piece that are all just really ugly, weird-looking freaks, and it's nice to have them like in card form. So, yeah, I recommend it. Check it out. Hell yeah. Uh, I'll recommend. I've been watching the new season of Fargo with John Hamm. He's Ooh. really creepy in it. And, <laughs> watch that. Uh, yeah, it's he's kind, kind of like it's sort of like a dark, serious version of Kimmy Schmidt. If you've watched Ooh. that show, oh, yeah. that's kind of what what's going on. Or that, but it's definitely better than the Chris Rock season, which like I liked a lot about that season. But Chris Rock, anytime like he had to act, he just couldn't, just couldn't. Mm. He's trying to deliver it. Yeah, a lot of great performances in that season. But yeah, I think it's I, we might have talked about it on this podcast before. But like Fire goes all over the place. Where like the first season I feel like was all right. The second season's probably my favorite season of television. And the third season's really great, too. And then the fourth is like, eh, it's fine. Oh. I've been hearing great things well, about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I love that first season. I think it's one of the best things that Billy Bob Thornton's ever done. Yeah, he's great. He's now. awesome in it. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say the first season's like, it's like, oh, it's fine. It's it's yeah. really great. It's just the second season, like, some of the best television ever made. Yeah, true. It's 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 a fun show. Like, yeah. if, if, you, if you like any one season, you'll probably like most of them. Yeah. If you liked the movie, the Coen Brothers movie, you'll probably like the TV shows. That's, you know, we're like, yeah, serious and dark. But about like the banality of crime. Yeah. And also very funny, good dark comedy. In yeah, show. usually there's a lot of like silly characters, quirky characters, and things that will make you smile, laugh, and feel like, oh man, that's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> definitely have that's really fucked up scenes, yeah. which is great. Uh, I want to recommend a video game that I finished yesterday, uh, Super Liminal. It's, uh, it's a video game you are participating in a sleep study and you are just in a liminal space uh, doing puzzles. It's all about perspective. Uh, an example of that, you can pick up a block and by moving it so it's like it looks bigger on your screen, you can then drop it and it will fill up that space and be that big of a block. Oh, that's fun. It's very interesting and it gave me a very realistic nightmare last night where I was trapped in a liminal space and I, I can't recommend anything more than that because it is... All-encompassing. Is that the video game where like John Delancey is the voiceover for it? I remember they were talking about it years ago. Is, is that the Stanley game? Parable? Oh, no, that's that's the Stanley Parable. Oh, okay. And similar, very oh. similar. Yeah, I like that. Once again, Podzuki is always on the on the mission to give you nightmares. That's <laughs> what we want to do. I, another thing, I, reason why I would recommend it, I was able to beat it in like two and a half hours. It's a very like it's a quick go, go through. Yeah. It's it's it stayed with i know i beat it yesterday it's i know it's gonna stay with me yeah more nightmares to come but yeah nick for any recommendation plugs you got just it's free form you could just even recommend a feeling if you wanted to which we've had happen <laughs> um so i really like blade runner 2049 
It's one of my favorite. It's quickly oh, becoming yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time. I've I rewatched it the other day. I am absolutely in love with the cyberpunk subgenre. Um, it's really cool because we've been getting a lot of rain here in New York, and it's fun to just walk around downtown, see all the lights, and pretend you're Ryan Gosling. Um, Looking just for a giant purple lady to try to comfort you. You look lonely. I can yeah, fix that. Enjoy, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it. I feel like it is that thing of like uh, when it came out. I'm glad that it didn't get bashed, but I feel like a lot of people saw it and they're like, "Yeah, it's good." But like, I thought it was like watching. I'm like, it was it was really great. I love the atmosphere. Like, I'm big on the atmosphere of that movie. Just again, like everything, like the vast world, everything's so dystopic yet so beautiful at the same time. Like that scene where um, they're going to the orphanage and it's just accompanied by that Hans Zimmer like synth organ, and you just see like the seawall and they're flying past it. And Joy's, she's really seeing the world for the first time. And, like, you can really feel how captive, even though she doesn't really show it, you can tell that she's just captivated by, like, what she's looking at. Like, wow, I've been stuck in Kay's apartment for however long he's had her. And now she, she's able to move freely throughout the world and see what it's like. Like, that was, that's, yeah. like, to me, one of the most beautiful scenes in modern cinema. Um, and also another recommendation, I rec, sorry. Um, I recommend a film from the seventies called Johnny got his gun. And if you're unfamiliar with this, you may be uh, familiar with the song it inspired by Metallica one. Anybody, if you've seen the music video to that, um, they use a couple clips in that movie. And what it's about is a world war one soldier who gets his, uh, legs, arms, face and ears all blown off by a um, an artillery shell but he's still alive and he's pretty much a prisoner inside his own body and the whole story is told Jeez. through um flashbacks and dream sequences and i th- i don't the main character's name i could be wrong on this but the main character's name is not johnny it's joe and the the title johnny got his gun is a callback to an old uh war rally like to help recruit pe- uh, people for World War One, like Johnny, get your like the, it was Johnny, get your gun, and I can only I interpret it as Johnny got his gun means Johnny got his gun, and look what happened. Yeah, it works on a few levels. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. I feel like it's it, I've heard about that film before, and it makes me want to watch that. Finally, get around to it. Kiefer Sutherland's dad is in it, and he plays Jesus. Oh, Ooh. nice. Yeah, I love, I there's love there's a really gone. cool scene where he, like he's uh-huh. it's a a dream sequence where Jesus is playing cards with a bunch of soldiers and they all know they're going to die. Um, and one of the soldiers goes, I'm, I'm going to be killed. Uh, sure. is going to be bad for my kid. I sure wish I could see him when he turns five. And then Jesus turns to him saying, you'll see him when he's 50 and you'll still be 23. Like that's like, it's got a lot of profound lines in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun to check out. I, I also want to recommend the curse. Which is a oh, show that oh, I've been kind yeah. of obsessed with lately. The last episode is on Friday, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank yeah. you. I've specifically been waiting for it to all be ready so I can binge it. Well, it's it's Nathan Fielder and uh, the Safdie brothers. Was like Nathan Fielder. This is like the first like I guess you could kind of count the rehearsal as being dramatic, but this is more like very seriously dramatic, and it's really weird. And I've never seen anything like it, but I, I dig it a lot. I've uh, I was talking to a friend about it, and I feel like I got to the point of describing it. It's like if you could make the the cringe elements and just weird humor of Tim and Eric, if you could actually make it into like a dramatic set piece and make it it's super enthralling. But like the comedy's still there, but it's just more 
frightening and hard to watch, yeah. but in a very like enthralling way. Oh, so it's like a sequel to Beef House. It's like a sequel to Beef House. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the, whoever does the music for it, like the music is like a soundtrack I've never heard before. Just weird synth noises like not even really music it's just yeah like vibrations and noises yeah damn oh i cannot wait yeah but yeah i think uh you know thanks for doing this again of course i think we can wrap this up sorry that you have to be up like super early in the morning but uh Gensel minus one go go see it again i'm sure by now it's on some streaming service we'll still in some theaters around here yeah it's still in some theaters and you know what it's good um, <laughs> It's worth watching. Yeah, it's really great. Um, You'll enjoy I think yourself. We'll try to do our usual. I, I can't imagine a lot of people who would not like this film. That's another thing I think that's really fun to recommend about it. Yeah. Um, but on that note, let's let's see if we can do this. Yeah, let's see. Okay. All right, three, two, two one. one. You're, You're gonna, gonna like, like the way, way I fuck. fuck. I, I guarantee it. it. Okay, there we go. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Got one and done. We gotta do a different one now because we always get to get it now. We had a really good one from anymore. our Master Rider episode. I gotta go back and listen to. <laughs> Which I forgot now, but... Oh, Robot Man Drive Car Fast? <laughs> That's the one. We regret that you have not yet complied with our order. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. The words get stuck in my throat. <laughs>